0: Hey everybody, this is Brent Kellogg, the pastor of Hillspring Church in Sand Springs, Oklahoma, and this is our podcast. Thanks for taking time to join us today. Our prayer is that this would inspire you, build your faith, and help you take the next step in Christ. Enjoy the message. morning, amen. Happy Easter, everybody. Man, y'all look good today. I know there's like putting on your Sunday best, and then there's your Easter Sunday best. Look at your neighbor and say, you look good. Now I apologize to the other neighbor right now because you, you didn't. Man, we're so just thrilled that you're here today, and um, we have a very generous gift for you. My wife and I are just so glad you joined with us. That um, anybody ever get bunnies when you're a kid, like for Easter? Like, you might get those. Anybody? A couple of hands? Yeah, they die. So we're we're changing Easter tradition um, today. We're giving away cats, right? <laughs> so she'll take some right there. So. Uh, we have 11 cats. They are not indoor cats. I mentioned that first time. People are like, no, 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 we don't. Between my brother and I, we have five barns. And uh, so we have 11 cats, four of which are now pregnant. And so um, <laughs> everybody getting a cat today for... That's the only thing we fight about is them stupid cats. It, it just is. Like, she won't let me get them fixed. I'm like, you about to have a cat mess on your hands. So... Y'all pray for us. So, hey, we do uh, for what we used to call our Senior Adult Lunch, and uh, now we just call it the Cool Kid Club. Can I get an amen? 55 and older. There you go. Right? Uh, this Thursday, we actually have a very special guest. Uh, my mom, she's gonna be here. She wrote a book uh, about the story of our family, specifically her family and some of the tragedy that went with that and how her parents and her aunts and uncles kind of dealt with that. And, and it's... It's a little bit heavy reading at first just because she kind of tells the story that happened and then some great stuff. We actually sell these in our merch area out in the lobby and she will be here on Thursday talking about this and so um, it's not just for our mature members. The immature welcome to Thursday. Like if you want to come it don't matter how old you are it's just kind of being a special thing. That luncheon it's absolutely free. It's kind of a potluck thing. We'll bring something great but if not we'll have plenty and uh, starts at 12 noon. I hope that you would come and and be a part of that. So if you're a guest with us today, we're just honored that you took time out of a beautiful, absolutely beautiful weekend to be here. And what you're going to find is that the people of Hillspring Church, man, we're passionate about a couple of things, like the next generation that Pastor Matt just talked about. It, since the beginning of this church, 32 years, man, the next generation has always been a priority for us. Uh, you really ought to come see it, even smell it on Wednesday night. When they pack 100 teenagers in here and just kids out back, it's just, it. Um, it's an amazing sight, not such an amazing smell, but that, that just is what it is. So, man, we love to worship, and our worship team just, they work hard at creating these moments where we can just prepare our heart to engage God. Mission. this church was actually started, the dream was birthed on a mission trip in Venezuela, and that's always been a part of the core DNA of who we are. We had a busy summer with going to Belize and going to Arizona, and we got a team that's leaving this week to go do some disaster relief stuff, that's who we are. But we also love this. Like We love to gather around the Word of God. I'm assuming you're here today either A, because mom said you're going, or B, because you want to learn something about Jesus. And you're here today to just gather around the Word. We have some small groups that just, that's what we do is we just, I want to know more. Man, I've I've been a Christian since I was four years old, and I still want to just know more about Jesus. And that's what we're doing. We're walking through the Gospel of Mark and kind of jumping around a little bit, because some of you have been doing the math, like Easter's coming, and we're not near to that part of the Gospel yet. So we're going to go to Mark chapter 16 today, if you've got your Bible. I want to use Mark's telling of the Easter story. If you don't have your Bible, don't worry about it. We're going to put that up on the, up on the screen for you. Mark chapter 16 is Easter Sunday. It's that first Easter. It's the Sunday that they discovered that Jesus was no longer dead, that the tomb was empty, and so we want to jump in there. So if you're ready, say, I'm ready." I'm ready. All right, Mark chapter 16 verse 1. It says, Saturday evening when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome went out and they purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just as sunrise, they, as the sun was rising, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, um, who, who's gonna roll away the stone for us at the entrance of the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked and they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled away. So Jesus was arrested on Thursday, put on trial. He was crucified on Friday, and and that's why we call it Good Friday. It was a good Friday for us, a good Friday for the followers of Christ. Um, He was nailed to the cross roughly noon in the course of the day. They hung him there, and about three o'clock in the afternoon he died, which was somewhat surprising. Now, Jesus had been tortured, he'd been beaten, he'd been scourged, he'd been whipped. But people who hadn't gone through that part, it would take them sometimes up to four days to die by hanging on a cross. It was a long, gruesome, cruel death. So Jesus was crucified at noon and he died by three o'clock. And the thing was, the next day was the Sabbath. You, you hear that in English, in, in Jewish culture, be the Sabbath. And it actually begins when the sun goes down on Friday night and then all of Saturday until the sun goes down is, is the Sabbath day and you can't work. You can't walk very far. You can't do very many things. And so they, they were on this time train. Jesus is dead at three o'clock and the sun was gonna go down, geez, 6.30, seven o'clock. And so they had to get his body off the cross, had to get permission from the Roman government to take it and put it into a tomb. So John's Gospel tells us there was a wealthy gentleman by the name of Joseph of Arimathea and a companion of his by the name of Nicodemus. They went and asked to have Jesus' body and they put it in Joseph's family tomb. as a tomb that he had cut out and created for his family. And what they would do in that day, it wasn't like we bury people in the ground. The wealthy specifically would cut a tomb out of the side of a hill and then they would seal that tomb with a big, heavy Stone. It was custom built. They would dig kind of a big track or a big trench that that stone would roll down in. And some of these stones weighed between one, sometimes two tons. It would take three, four, if not five big, strong guys with leverage rods to just push that stone up. And then once they got it rolled up, they would put kind of a scotch or a block in there to hold it. And then when whatever was done in the tomb, they would remove that stone, would rock in and lock it in place. One, to seal kind of the smell of death and decay inside the tomb. But then secondly, it was there kind of as a lock to kind of keep tomb robbers and grave robbers from getting in and anything that the family might have buried with their loved one, keep grave robbers from, from doing all of that type of stuff. So you have these three women that Sabbath was coming. They, they got his body off of the cross. The clock was ticking. They had to get all this done before the sun went down. So they quickly got him into Joseph's tomb. They just did a basic burial, prepare him for burial, like a couple of basic things that they would do, kind of got him wrapped in grave clothes, and that was it, because they had to get home before the sun went down, so it was a very rushed process. So these three women were gonna go finish that process, and so the Sabbath is over on Saturday night. They go out, and they get whatever supplies they need, Sunday morning, very early, like 7.30, Right? No, I'm just kidding. So they're going, they're on their way. And on their way, I don't. I wonder which one of them it was that realized, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> there's three of us, and there's a really big stone that's in the way. How are we going to move that stone? Big rock. In uh, September of 2007, uh, our church went on a mission trip down into Central America to the country of Nicaragua. And we would take it was a, we worked for the medical mission organization, and we would take doctors and nurses. If we could get a dentist to go with us, we would do that. But literally, that was just about ten percent of the team. The rest of it was people that we would give away shoes, and give away clothes, and give away food, and we would do kids' church and kids' ministry. So it was September that year, and we were going. And so we would leave Tulsa. We would fly into Houston. Then get on a big airplane and we would fly down into Managua, which is the capital city of Nicaragua. Take us—I don't know—about it's about a three-hour jaunt to get there. We would land in Managua, and you step out into Nicaragua is a third-world country. It's hot; it's really hot, and just the smell of diesel and burning trash everywhere. And you think, what have I gotten myself into? And you get on a bus that does not have air conditioning. And matter of fact, you have just said goodbye to air conditioning for a week. You're just going to have some regrets along that trip, right? And so you get on a bus and we go to the mission house and we're there and it's time to kind of sort through. You don't want to take all of your clothes out into the villages that we'd be going and we would kind of sort through our cargo and get ready. The next morning we'd get up, we'd eat breakfast, we would load the buses, load the trucks and off we would go. And this year, in 2007, we went to a village called El Bonete. Now, the conversations surrounding this trip, as we were three or four days before we left, and even when we got there and talking to the missionary, Brother Daryl Johnson was missionary down there, there was a hurricane. Hurricane Ivan was developing out at sea, and they just didn't know yet the course of it. They could kind of guess. We knew that we were going to get some of the impact of that. So we load up, we head out to El Bonete. I don't know, it took us almost two hours to get there, a little bit of a bus ride. It's been so long, I kind of forget. We got everything set up, got our boxes unpacked, got our camp kind of made, and and we would go in and stay in a school. Um, Again, I can't emphasize the no air conditioning thing. That's really important. I hope you've heard that, right? And we would sleep on the floor and air mats and and all that type stuff, and the first day of ministry was amazing. Literally, we saw almost 1,000 people that day, and they would come, and and they would sit through a tent. We would kind of explain the process of how this would work. We would preach and share the gospel. Some of them would respond to the gospel, and then they would... They'll get in a line, and we would feed them, and then they would see a doctor or a nurse and a dentist if they needed to, and we would give them just kind of a benevolent package that would hopefully have shoes and clothing for them, stuff a lot of people the church had donated. Sometimes we would do family pictures, just try to make it a, a unique experience for them. And that first day of ministry was amazing. It was awesome. It was everything we went to go do. The second morning, we get up, and we're still watching this hurricane, and they're like, hey, we feel like it's it's going to be hit It's going to hit Nicaragua, but about three hours from where we're at, so let's just kind of stay the course. And so the next morning, we got up, and there was another big crowd lined up. We preached the gospel, had them in the tent. They saw doctors, nurses, gave food away and all that. And and by the time we, after lunch, it was a ghost town. It was time for like that one o'clock group, and, and there was maybe 10, and we would normally see 250. I got nervous, and I remember it was about 3 o'clock that afternoon as I was walking kind of back up to the compound where all that was going on, that first drop of rain, boom, hit me. One of my favorite movies is Forrest Gump. I, just, I love Forrest Gump and because he just has this beautiful way of describing life. And Forrest, when he talked about being in Vietnam, and if you remember, Forrest described one day it started raining, and it didn't stop for four months. I felt like Forrest Gump. Like we had uh, stinging rain and big old fat rain and rain was blowing sideways. And sometimes rain came straight up from below us. That's what we had. Literally at night, we tried to sleep in that. And again, sheet metal roof. It sounded like there were people on the roof with five gallon buckets just dumping water just like just almost couldn't sleep. And so it's right the next day it just kind of rained, rained, rained and rained and rained and so a lot of rain led to flooding in the area, so we had a decision to make. And so we called for the bus drivers and the bus drivers were actually, they were about two and a half, three hours away. Ironically it took them like twenty-four hours to get It felt like it took forever for them to get there. So they started this way and it just took forever. We packed up everything and that was a process. We chose that we weren't gonna sleep that night, we were gonna try to drive in the night to get back to to the base camp, and and it it just was kind of a stressful, tense situation. And so finally, the bus drivers get there, they start up the box trucks, the missionary, he kind of leads the charge, And, and our compound was up on a hill, and he goes down this, it's kind of a windy little road down the hill, he goes down, the first box trucks get down, and here goes the first bus. We're leaving, we're going back to safety, and what little bit of air conditioning can be found in Nicaragua. And as that bus goes around, it just, one of the, the front left wheel goes off the edge of the road and gets stuck. And I mean redneck stuck, y'all. I mean like what we do out in Rogers County kind of gets stuck. Like you have to have a tractor or a dozer to get it out kind of stuck, right? And so we, we're just kind of there. And so I get the bright idea and I'm like, all right, all the men off the bus. And of course, you can only imagine there were several opinions about that idea, and so there's—I don't know—it was a team of forty-some people, and 23, 24 of those were men, and so we're gonna—they're gonna try to, you know, do that, and we're gonna try to push and like, oh my God, push! You know what I'm saying? And so you got people counting in English and people yelling in Spanish, and you just don't even know what's going on. One, two. I don't know the difference between three and trace, but we never figured it out. And the bus just sat there. And it was hot and because it was raining and all the windows were up, and the bus was full of women, very angry, impatient women. We paid for a lot of counseling when we got back. You know what I'm saying? About an hour of this goes on. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? And finally, Brother Daryl, the missionary, he goes, oh, I have a rope in my truck. Really? An hour and a half later? Like you didn't think to go look? And so we hook rope onto the big box truck that's in front of it. One, two, whoops, and pop that bad boy out. And I've heard a lot of loud applauses, but man, that one was special to me. You know what I'm saying? We got that bus out. We got on our way home. And as we were driving, we had to cross a river, and flooding was becoming an issue. And as that bus went down into the river, the water literally came up the stairs and up into the floor of the bus. I remember turning around and looking, because Brother Darrell was in just a little Toyota pickup behind us, and the river literally came all the way up over the hood of his pickup. And I was like, oh, okay, well, this is how Darrell's going to die. You know? (laughs) We got home. And, uh, man, 20 guys trying to move a four-ton bus that stuck. They probably had a better chance than three women trying to move a two-ton stone that was blocking the tomb of Jesus. These ladies had bought their burial spices. They got up very early. They were on their way, and they realized, oh, man, we got a big rock to move. What are we going to do about that? I don't know about you. I, I can relate to the dilemma they've created because I'm a... I don't know everything, but let's just go. Let's just go for it kind of guy. Like I've jumped into things. I didn't have all the answers. I, let's, just, let's just, Sometimes that's good. I would just rather be moving. I don't know about you, but like when I'm stuck in traffic, if there's an exit, I have no idea where the exit's taking me, but I'm taking the exit. I would much rather deal with 37 stop signs than set only to discover if I would have stayed in the traffic, I would have got to my destination faster. But it doesn't matter, I'm moving, I'm going, I'm doing, I'm getting business done, right? These ladies, let's just go. I don't know how we're gonna move that rock, but let's just go. Verse three, on the way there, they were asking each other, are you moving the rock? Or you who? Who's gonna roll away the stone for us from the entrance? But as they arrived, they looked and they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled away. Somebody ought to say Amen. That stone they were worried about—they found out God had already taken care of it. The thing they were stressing about, the Lord had already taken care of. And you hear a lot about about the Easter story: the stone was rolled away. Amen. You know, and and we say that to indicate God did the supernatural here. The stone was moved. The tomb was empty. And there's a lot of times there's things in front of me that feel impossible that I'm worrying about. And I think about, oh no, what am I gonna do about that? Only to arrive on the scene and God has already rolled away the stone. We've got stones in our life and I wanna talk about some of them this morning. The first one, sometimes we have stones, big rocks in our relationships. Some things, there's things that we worry about, things we stress about, people mad at us and and we worry, 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 stress about it. But the reality is God has gone before you and taken care of that. I don't, I don't know, I, maybe this is just me. This may not ever happen to you. Some of us in here may be experience this. So you get a text or an email or you see somebody out and about and they're like, hey, we, we need to talk. And they don't tell you what it's about. And my automatic assumption, this is just some of the things I've been through, kind of how I'm wired, I automatically assume you're mad at me. I automatically assume that I have offended you about something and I start trying to figure out, what did I say? what did I do? What did they say I did? Because you know, if they say it, it's got to be true, right? You know what I'm saying? You ever, you ever get hit with that? Hey, we need, we need to talk. And our minds just go there that, oh man, they're mad. And so we start to stress. We start to think, what did I do to upset them? And then I start to de- build my defenses, right? In my mind, I'm like, well, If they're going to be mad at me, well, I'm going to be mad at them. If they say this to me, I'm going to say that to them. And I start building up all these different things. I have no idea why they want to meet with me. I just assume the worst. And then we let our minds get offended. Well, if they're going to be mad, then I'm going to be mad. One of the greatest lessons I learned as a pastor, but also learned as a human, was taught to me by my dear, sweet friend, Miss Barbara Bond. She's gone on to be with the Lord. And if you knew Barbara, you loved her. I mean, she was a dear saint, a pillar of faith, prayer warrior here in our church. One Sunday out here in our lobby, she came come by and she goes, well, we need to have a conversation. Oh, 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 okay, is, is everything okay? Well, not really. Well, I didn't help anything, you know, all right. So we set a time to meet. Barbara had been in ministry with me for a long time. She'd been to the church for a long time. When I was a youth pastor, man, she was my right hand, organized a lot of things, I Imagine her leaving the church, but there again, nothing surprises me. And so my mind begins to wonder, begin to occupy my thoughts and, and my prayers. Lord, just give me wisdom to handle this. Man, I can't, I can't lose Barbara. She, she's just, just part of who we are. If I've offended her, Lord, help help me. And so Barbara and I, the time and day came where we, we met. I sat across from her. We small talked a little bit, chit chat, talked about some fun memories. And then she said, I know you're busy, so I just need to tell you I have cancer and it's not good. Tears welled up in my eyes because I know the pain of cancer all too well. But I was also in my mind, I was embarrassed at my own selfishness because I had let the enemy put a rock right there. Here she was knowing that her life was coming to an end someone who loved Jesus her whole life, she'd been faithful to God, she'd been faithful to the church, is any person. And I let my mind assume the worst. And the tears in my eyes, I said, Barbara, what, what can I do? And she just simply said, just pray. I'd let the devil put a stone in my mind. I assumed she was mad. I assumed she was angry. None of that was true. God had already taken care of that. It was because I had old hurts because I had old luggage, I had old stones. Maybe your stones are real and, and bigger, maybe you have a relationship that there is real tension, there's real issues there, and, and you worry about that and you, you just can't get there, you just can't find peace. Let me tell you, the Lord moved this stone in this story. He can move the stones in your story. Amen everybody. So a lot of times those storms stones are a relationship, but secondly, they're financial. Sometimes I feel like the stones run over me financially.. <laughs> And I don't want to spend too much time here, and I certainly don't want to try to paint the picture that Jesus is a genie. And, you know, every time money gets a little bit tight, he'll grant you three wishes to bail you out, because that's, it doesn't really work that way. I I do believe that there's wisdom in the Bible. I believe there's principles in the Bible that call us and advise us to live. Let's be wise, you know, save, live open handed, Live, live generous, learn how to say no to some stuff sometimes. And Jerry and I have tithed our entire life. And even sometimes get things get tough. Things, things are tough right now. You don't believe me, just go buy gas on the way home or a dozen eggs, Lord help us, right? And some of you have a huge financial stone just wearing you out. Man, just a little bit of money in the bank account would would make a big impact on your emotions. It would just change how you see the world. And there have been times We were flat broke. God, where are you? I bought all these burial herbs. Lord Jesus, I've I've given to you. I'm here, just I'm here to minister to you. Jesus, but I got this big stone, this big financial stone that's hanging over my head that's blocking my way. And let me just tell you, after all of these years, I can stand here and say, in my 48 years of life, God has been faithful, without a doubt. Been tight? (laughs) Oh yeah. Had to make hard decisions? Like, which kid we're gonna sell? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Have to change some bad habits? Absolutely. I I feel like God sent me here today to tell some of you, He sees you. Because you're in the midst of, of 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 a stone, there's a financial block, and you're like, God, where are you? And He sees you. He's not your genie that will grant you wishes. He's not some kind of money-making scheme that can be manipulated, but he will provide our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen? Might cause a little stress sometimes, but you're, in that stress, you're learning how to trust him. In that stress, you're learning that he really is faithful. I've learned it might not be on my time, but it's on his time, on time, every time. So the, you got these relational rocks, you got the financial rocks, and the third rock is not money. It's not people, it's life. You may not can relate to the first two, but you can certainly relate to the third one. And it's the rock of failure. We mess up. Disappointed in ourselves, let ourselves down, disappoint those people that are around us. We're just being real. A lot of times we feel like we've disappointed God, let him down. That's, that's, a, that's a scary one. That's a tough one. I'm to give you a big church word. Omnipresent. You can use that this week to sound smart. Yep, yeah, Omnipresent. You don't know what that means. No idea. Let me tell you what it means. Present everywhere, all the time, at the same time. Like God is just as much present as he is right here in Sand Springs, Oklahoma, as he is in Kenya or Belize. We're not sure about Louisiana. There's rumors. I'm just kidding. God is omnipresent. He, he's He sees it. The psalmist talks about there's no place I can go to hide from him. Oh man, that is, that is, oh, that is scary. You mean high school? Yep, he was there. All of it? Prom? Yep, he saw it all. The caravan? He was there. Midnight rodeo? Oh buddy, God saw it all. In that early 20s when you were building your testimony, he was there. It's the caravan is this place. (laughs) That don't, you don't need. Hey, we're glad y'all are here. I can't recover from that. You know, there's a part of us that we, when you think about the omnipresence of God, that he's everywhere, knows all of that. He was there and you think, oh man. I gave in to that again when I told him I wouldn't. I said I was done. I promised myself, I I promised my family, I promised my spouse, I promised God. And I got tired, I got stressed, I got angry, I got isolated and I gave in, I did that again. I went there again when I promised I wouldn't. And it creates this big stone of failure. Let me show you something in this story. Verse five, it said, when they, when the women entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in white robes sitting on the right side and the women were shocked. But the angel said, don't be alarmed, you're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified, he's not here, he is risen. I love that, he was crucified, but now he is risen. Look, this is where they laid his body. Verse seven, this is what I want to dig into. It says, now go and tell the disciples, including Peter, Go tell the disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You'll see him there just as he told you before he died. It's interesting to me what the angel said. Go tell the disciples, including Peter. It's an unnecessary statement because Peter was a disciple. He was one of Jesus' closest three disciples. So why did he say, go tell the disciples, including P- Peter? That, that shouldn't be necessary. Like if he just says disciples, that should get them all, right? And let me be aware, this is not Jesus playing favorites. Get Peter and the other guys. This is very specific. Go get the disciples. Make sure you tell Peter. Because this was the angel speaking to Peter's failure. See, just four days before, on Thursday, when Jesus had been arrested, he was being tried. Mark 14 tells that story. And Jesus, this is his final conversation with the disciples before he goes. He's like, listen, all of you are gonna desert me. And Peter said, oh, even if Thaddeus deserts you, I'm gonna be your boy. I'll be your huckleberry. You know, I'm gonna be right there with you. If everyone else deserts you, I never will. And Jesus looked at him and he said, I'll tell you the truth, Peter. This very night before the rooster crows twice, you're gonna deny me three times. No, Peter declared emphatically. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. All the others said, me too, me too. Maybe you know this story. There's a good lesson here. Never say never. Because Jesus was on trial and Peter was in the shadows. Three different people, three different times asked you, ask Peter, hey, aren't you one of his followers? No, I don't know the man. Hey, aren't you one of, no, I don't know the man. Hey, aren't you with him? No, I don't. And and the third time, that Peter denied him the rooster crowed. You guessed it. Peter failed three times. Three times, Peter would deny knowing Jesus. So when the angel of the Lord says, go get disciples, including Peter, because they knew Peter would put up a fight. Jesus don't want me. I failed him. I said I'd die with him. I told him I'd be right there. I told him I'd be right by his Jesus, he don't. He don't wanna see me. I let him down. Not once, not twice, but three times. But the angel was very specific, including Peter. I know Peter. Jesus wants you anyway. Jesus knew you were gonna fail, Peter, and he called you and said, follow me anyway. He knew you were gonna make mistakes, Peter, and he loved you anyway. Just like the stone in front of the tomb that was rolled away, Jesus rolled the stone of failure out of Peter's life. He rolled it out of our life so that you and I could have life and have relationship with him. Let me show you something. On that very day, on John in John's gospel, he says this, that very Sunday, it's now the evening, they've, they've discovered the empty tomb. Jesus appeared to some, John chapter 20, verse 19, that Sunday, Easter Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked Doors. That's important, locked doors. They were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them and his first word was, peace be with you. It's a good thing he said peace because it would have freaked me out. Wow, where'd you come from? Peace. The theology of the locked door is very important because Jesus didn't come through a door. He just appeared. Beam me up, Scotty. Like he kind of teleported in the room. The theology of that means Jesus was not limited by walls. He was not limited by stones. He was not limited by doors. He certainly wasn't limited by windows. He could just appear. So here's what I want you to see. The stone was not rolled away to let Jesus out. The stone was rolled away to let them in. So they could see the empty tomb for themselves so they could see the unneeded folded up grave clothes the stone was not rolled away to let Jesus out he didn't need it it was rolled away to let you and I in to an empty tomb there's a fourth stone the stone of sin Jesus rolled away the stone of sin so that you and I could join in his death burial most importantly in his resurrection we can see Experience that empty detail. Won't you step in? Won't you take that step of faith? My friends, here's why we do this. Here's, here's the good news about Jesus. Here, here's the gospel as plain and simple as I can make it. That all of us have made mistakes. All of us have failed. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory. Here's the rules. He made them. I didn't. It's his worth. He created it, so he can do whatever he wants to. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. And so he looked down and he saw all of humanity. And sure, there were lamb sacrifices and bull sacrifices and so on and so forth. But it just was not getting the job done. And Jesus said, I'll go. So he was born a baby in a little town of Bethlehem. He grew, he walked, he did ministry. He recruited disciples. He healed people. The most important thing he did was letting them nail him to a cross because it started this chain of events that would impact you and I today. Friends, heaven is real and hell is real. I don't care what TikTok says, I don't care what YouTube says. It depends on what you do with moments just like this. And when, when you place your faith in Jesus, He said, I'll go. And when they nailed him to that cross and when they dropped that cross in that hole, and his body groaned with pain. Three o'clock, he gave up the ghost. To prove he was dead. They pierced him in his side with a spear. And blood and water flowed forth. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. Jesus willingly shed his blood so that you and I can be forgiven of sin. But if he just died, we wouldn't be here today. It was that early Sunday morning. God rolled away that tomb. And Jesus walked out of there. The pastor, I, for my skeptics in the room, there's other people that are raised from the dead. What about Lazarus? The Old Testament, there, there were times where, where prophets raised a little boy from the dead. There were other people in the Bible that were raised from the dead. Here's the deal. Every one of those were called forth. Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. He came out. Prophet brought those people through the power of God back to life Jesus didn't need anyone to call him out of that tomb because the spirit of God revived him proving he truly is God he truly is supernatural and divine here's what the Bible says in the book of Romans it said if you would confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord meaning he is your God not a God, he's the, he's the way, the truth and life. Muhammad can't do this, Buddha can't do this, no path of enlightenment can do this, New Ageism can't do this for you. Jesus, if, if you'll confess with not that, that's my God. And then this was what's important. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, God supernaturally, he wasn't called forth, God raised him from the dead. If you do those two things, you will be saved. Not maybe, not might, not can be saved. You will be saved, pretty simple. You confess you are my God. And I believe with all my heart, Jesus was truly raised from the dead. He was the son. All across this room, I want to ask that every head be bowed, every eye be closed, nobody moving around. Where are you today? Are you in right relationship with the Lord? Man, I'm not going to embarrass you. This is the most important moment of your eternity. I just want to simply lead you in a prayer where you confess, and believe. You're not gonna have to walk the aisle, and I not have to talk to anybody. Right there at your seat, I just wanna help you take that step of faith, almost as if we're stepping into that empty tomb. You ready? Just pray this with me. If you know you're not right with the Lord today, just pray this, say, Dear Heavenly Father, right there, just say that, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today. Of mistakes, and I don't want that anymore. Would you forgive me? Would you come into my life? Would you begin to change me? Would you save me? I may not understand all of this, but I'm taking that step of faith today, Jesus. I completely surrender my whole life to you. Every head's still bowed and every eye's still closed. Nobody's looking around. If you prayed that prayer today. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I just wanna pray for you. Would you slip up your hand? Are you here today? Did you pray that? Just slip up your hand real high. Don't miss this. Anybody? All right, let's see it, buddy. Best decision of your life. Anybody else? Lift it up. God, you see the hands here today. You see the hearts here. Today. Coming home. Father, thank you for removing that stone. Lord, I pray you help them to understand how much you love them, how big your grace and mercy is. God, I pray this moment you just fill them with your spirit. God, bring other Christians along beside them just to help them take that step. Father, help them get connected to a small group and baptized. Father, we celebrate Easter Sunday, we celebrate that resurrected Savior. Love you today We thank you for what you're doing in our life we thank you for moving the stones in jesus name we pray come on hill spring give god the biggest praise you got amen everybody come on i hope you enjoyed the podcast today if you did there's a couple of things i want to invite you to do first hit the subscribe button that way you won't miss a single episode secondly if this message has impacted you and you would like to help us reach others visit our website at hillspring.tv and hit the Give Now button so that we can take this message around the globe. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.